You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. John chapter 4. I'm going to have to come down here. It says, soon... The news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers come to be baptized than John. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but had his disciples baptize the people. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. It's interesting, right? Crowds were coming. He was gaining fame. And people were like, "Uh, Jesus is way greater than John. And like, look at the crowds go. Very similar to our world today, social media, all that stuff. And Jesus actually, like, I don't, I'm not good with that conversation. I'm going to leave this place. I'm not going to perpetuate that. And he, and he had to pass through Samaritan territory. We're going to pause here for a moment. Samaritan territory was not a place a Hebrew person like Jesus should have gone. Samaritans were considered like dogs to the Jewish people, to the Hebrews. You're not supposed to speak to them, associate with them, or even go near them. Like, there's, it was like, they had, like, camps for people with skin disease in the Bible, and they would go to that place. You wouldn't go to that place in, in case you would catch that skin disease, leprosy. It's very similar to Samaritans. You don't go to that place because you might catch what they have. It wasn't a disease. It was just a cultural thing. It was racism is what it was. And it says here that he had to go through that place. What's interesting about this is because of the cultural norms of the day, you're not supposed to go there, but Jesus said, I'm actually going to go outside of what is expected for my purpose and my plan. Number one. We're going to keep going, Lou. There you go. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar. Sychar? Sychar? Whatever it is. Jason, what do you got? What is it? Sychar? Sychar. Near the field that Jacob had, Jacob had given to his son, Joseph, long ago. A lot of heritage here. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of the water. Samaritan woman. Don't forget this. Surprised because of all the things we just talked about, she said, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water. And Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Wait there a moment. So we talked about how Jesus went through a place that he should not have gone according to the cultural standards of that day, according to the bigotry that was around. He's not supposed to go to that place. And then she says, wait a minute, you're working outside of my knowledge, of my context, of my reasoning. Why are you asking me for a drink of water? So number two, he's tearing down walls and walking outside of what we know. And then Jesus says, number three, if you only knew, in other words, if your perspective was bigger than it is right now, you would understand that what I have for you is way greater than anything you could get for yourself. What I have for you is actually living water. What I have for you is so much more than you can fit in your little box right now. 
and I'm proving it so many different ways. If you only knew what I had to give you, you would be asking me for a drink of water, not me, you. And the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. And this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water that you talk about, right? Like she's talking to Jesus like a crazy person. Like we have like missionaries from different religions coming, walking, like knocking at our door. And we're like, let's have some fun today. Let's entertain this conversation. So yeah, okay, tell me more about this living water you're talking about. But what's so interesting about this scripture is it gives us such a perspective of the human condition, of the human soul. When we read the word of God, we're expected to find God in the word of God, right? It's his word. It actually is him. It's, it's his heart for us in the Bible. But we also find encounters with ourselves in the word of God. We read the Bible and we find us. Right? So Jesus comes and says to her, not joking, if you only knew who I was and what I could give you, you'd ask me for it and I would give you living water. And her reply is this, I don't see a bucket. How in the world are you going to get me water? And by the way, this well is too deep. You see, walking with Jesus requires something we call faith. Hebrews defines faith this way. The substance of things hoped for. In other words, the tangibility of Jesus. Like our faith rises in this room because we feel him here. And if you don't identify it as him, it's something. You feel something other than what you normally feel in this moment. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So it's not that we're believing in this God that's mystical and is not real. God is real. So faith isn't saying we're placing our hope in something that does not exist. As the world might define it at times. Faith is saying, I know that God is real. I've encountered him. He's met me at the well. I see him. I walk with him. I may not have seen him for quite a while, but I know that he's real. There's evidence of it in my life. Therefore, I believe. And so when we have faith and we walk with Jesus, we live by what we don't see. But after you've encountered Jesus, I would argue that there's another way to live by what you don't see. And it's not faith, it's reason. It's logic. It's common sense. Meaning this, you don't see how Jesus can come through and make it happen in your life. So you then live by what you don't see. Jesus promised living water, and she replied with what she didn't see. Is that not like our lives sometimes? Where God, I love you, I feel your presence, this is incredible, but there's no way I can see how you're going to make this happen. So thank you for your promises, thank you for your love, thank you for church on Sunday, thank you for my friends, but I'm going to handle this on my own, I got a bucket. I'm going to keep going after my water, because I can't conceptualize How are you going to make this happen? And then she goes on to say, you don't have a bucket and this well is too big. In other words, we go to God and we say, God, my problem is too jacked up. It's too large. I've been living this way too long. This person doesn't like me. This person is against me. It's too big. How can you handle it? Especially if you don't have a bucket. And if we're honest with ourselves, we claim that we follow what we don't see. And I believe that's true for a lot of our lives. 
But then there's spaces in our lives that is also informed by what we don't see, so we lean on our own understanding. The problem with this, though, is Oswald Chambers puts it this way. He says, we deify common sense. We make common sense God. We place our experience over truth. We place what we've seen and what we've understood and what we've walked into, put our hands to and leaned on in our life above the truth of Scripture. And Jesus says to her, to me, and to you today, if you only knew, if you only looked outside your own experience, your own expectation, what you thought you had put together in life, you'd ask me to give you living water. You'd ask me to handle that issue. You'd ask me to give you life. You'd ask me to relieve you of anxiety instead of leaning on something else, a substance or an activity. You'd ask me to give you a job promotion or place you where you need to go. You'd ask me to do this for you instead of handling it on your own. If you only knew what I had in store for you, you'd ask me. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, right? The word of God says, what does it say before that? Lean not on your own understanding. Don't be supported by your own understanding. Don't put weight. Don't allow your understanding to carry you through the situations that God wants to carry you through. Let's read on. Do you really think that you are greater than your ancestor Jacob? This is the lady talking, the Samaritan woman talking right now. Trash talking Jesus a little bit. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. Pause there. He's talking about the things that we go to in our lives that don't satisfy us. Right? You'll be thirsty again and again. The trap we get into though is that we understand that they don't satisfy us, maybe. But if that doesn't satisfy me, I gotta go find something else that does. And then I find out that that doesn't satisfy me, and I gotta go find something else that maybe will. That girl, that guy, that situation, that job, the amount of money I have does not satisfy me, so I gotta find a way to do something else so that I could be satisfied. You keep coming back to the well. You keep coming back to your own understanding. You keep coming back to your own experience. And Jesus said, if you only knew. So I get this quote for you by C.S. Lewis, and he says this. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were meant for another world. But there's an issue in this. He says, if we find ourselves with desires in this world that nothing can satisfy, have we come to the conclusion in our lives that nothing can satisfy you? That all the things we run to are temporal. They'll satisfy me for a moment, maybe a day, maybe two, maybe 10 years, maybe something like that. But until we come to the knowledge and understanding that nothing Not the next thing, not the next thing, not the next thing. Not the exchange of this for this. Not the next temptation. Nothing will satisfy. Nothing will satisfy. 
That then draws the conclusion to us that we're meant for something outside this world, something heavenly, something born, something from Jesus, that nothing can satisfy. And when we understand that nothing can satisfy, no matter what temptation comes our way, we've already known and decided that nothing can satisfy me outside Jesus. Nothing. Remember decision fatigue. We get this little hints or seeds, or maybe this will satisfy. No, 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 nothing. And then three days go by. Maybe it wasn't nothing. Maybe it was most things. Let me try this, God. Sorry, I don't see the bucket. The well's too big. It's not working. I'm going to try this. A decision that informs every other decision. You got more? Should we keep going? Yeah. I told you 10 minutes. I know it's been a little longer. Sorry. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit. Listen to that language. A gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to draw from it. You don't have to do work to get it. It's gushing out of you, overflowing, springing up, and flooding you with endless life. If you only could think out of what you see and come to me, I will give you that. If you only could put down the arguments in your mind right now to give God another chance or maybe the first chance. Put down the arguments that are keeping you away from baptism and say that I want living water. I want to be immersed in living water. The old is dying. I'm making a decision today that informs every other decision that I'm putting that old life to death with Jesus. And then I'm being raised into new life with him. And with that decision, that takes care of every temptation that comes my way. All I have to do is with my Father in heaven, point back to that place of baptism and say, I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Lou, is that it for scripture? All right. I tell my team all the time, never bring a cell phone on stage. Never read from it. I'm sorry, Kim. I have to. We're going to keep reading. Verse 15. Listen to this. Remember we talked about responding to God? And she says, the, the scriptures say, the woman replied, let me drink that water. You don't have a bucket. You don't have a well. I mean, the well's too deep. I don't know how you're going to make this happen, but that's what I want. Let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. And Jesus said, listen to this. Go get your husband and bring him back here. Like, swerve. <laughs> but I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, said Jesus. Yeah. You've answered correctly. For you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. And you have told the truth. <laughs> Jesus is so funny. <laughs> and the woman said, you must be a prophet. How did you know this? So tell me this. Like, while I got your attention, answer this question for me. 
Why do our fathers worship God here in this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship? Which is right. And Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. But here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but the right heart. Listen to this. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. Not by what you see but what his spirit is witnessing to your spirit in this moment. That's how he wants you to worship him. Not by your rationality, not by your common sense, not by what someone else around you is informing you, but what his spirit is testifying to you about who he is. In spirit and in truth, which means that we can't, again, raise our experience over the truth. You're saying this, Jesus, about who you are. You're my provider. You died for me. You love me. I'm not feeling any of those things. My bank account really sucks right now. Just be honest, right? Where's my husband? Where's my wife? Let's be honest. Where's my girlfriend? Where's my boyfriend? And Jesus is saying it's not about worshiping through your experience, although your experience does validate worship. But it should not remove worship. Worship me in spirit and in truth, which means that when your experience doesn't look like Jesus is deserving of worship, you worship according to who he is and his truth and not your experience. This is what he's saying. The woman said, listen, this is so funny. This is all so confusing. (laughs) Really, this is the Passion Translation if you haven't heard this before. But I do know that the anointed one, capital O, is coming. The anointed one is coming. The true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything you need to know. Listen to this. This is why Jesus is speaking today, for these next words. I want you to open your heart right now. And you understand that this room... Everything that is happening in your life is zoning into this minute. Because when God avails his presence like he did today, he says, I want your attention. Will you give it to him? Do you have ears to hear what he is saying in this moment? In fact, let's do an exercise. Don't worry, you can stay seated. Can you make a decision right now that will inform the next question? And that decision is, do you want to follow Jesus? I don't care if you've made that decision before. I'm asking you right now. Will you make a decision to respond to him in the next few moments right now? No matter how you feel, no matter how the band plays or if they play or not, no matter what your friends think, will you make a decision right now? Do you love him enough? Do you trust in him enough? Is he giving enough grace to you right now for you to say, God, I want what you have. I don't know how I'm going to get it, but I want what you have. Can you make that decision right now? Don't put your hand up because everybody else is. 
You just heard my lecture. And Jesus said to her, and he says to you, you can put your hands down. And Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. And Jesus says to you, and he says to me, we don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. Jesus is here in this room right now speaking to you. You don't have to wait any longer. I'm here speaking with you. And these next, I was worshiping and I read this and it just rocked me because this is what Jesus wants to say. Remember this woman had five husbands and the one she was with wasn't her husband, which means that she hadn't figured out that nothing satisfies. It's like maybe that next dude, he's handsome, he's gonna satisfy. Maybe that next dude, he's got money, he's gonna satisfy. Maybe that next dude, he's not that good looking, so he's not gonna leave me, right? Like, we all... We, You know where our minds go. Can we be real here? Right, we find a new rational for moving on to the next. We find a new way of thinking. Well, maybe it was this. Maybe I, like, I came on too strong this time and it pushed him away. I'm going to try different next time. Nothing can satisfy. So the context here, when Jesus says this, She's just been through five husbands and is on to her next. And he says this, I am the one you've been looking for. Never seen it that way until today. You're looking for me, but you're, you're, you're trying to find me in all these husbands. You're trying to find me in this job, in this career, in this pursuit, in this identity, in this work, in this project, this creativity. You're trying to find me I am the one you've been looking for, and here I am today. Will you say yes to me? Will you say yes to me? I am the one you've been looking for. I want you to close your eyes in this moment. Jesus speaks through people, so if you're feeling nothing inside you right now, I want you to hear my voice. God's voice. I am the one you've been looking for. I am what you've been looking for. said I've encountered the one I found the one nothing satisfies me I found the one the moment she decided to follow and believe in Jesus was the moment that her life changed forever she was no longer looking for the next she was trying to tell everybody about what is now when you decide to follow Jesus your life changes the trajectory of it changes, the pleasure in it changes, the fulfillment in it changes, the satisfaction in it changes. The endless life he wants to give you starts now, not when you die. I've come to give you life and life in abundance. That's what Jesus says to you. 
her response was this, give me that water. So Jesus asks you tonight, do you want the living water? Do you want to stop going back to that place over and over and over again? I'm not just talking to people who haven't said yes to Jesus. I'm talking to people who are following Jesus. I'm talking to both tonight. I'm talking to myself. If that's you and you're saying, I want the water, I need the water, give me that water. I just want you to lift your hands right now. This is the moment, this is your decision, whether it's mystical to you or not, or just another moment that you're raising your hand, all of heaven is watching you in this moment. All of heaven is rejoicing in the decision that you've just made. And guess what? Moving forward, you get all of heaven at your back, moving you forward, encouraging you. You get the Holy Spirit in you saying, this is the way to go. I have everlasting life. I am the one with living water. Don't touch that over there because it won't satisfy you. Come towards me. Come follow me. Come be with me and I'll give you everything that you could only imagine in your life. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly far more than you can ask or imagine according to his power at work within you. Within you. You don't have to search for it anymore. Jesus goes on to say in the scriptures that out of your belly, out of me, out of you, will flow rivers of living water. You don't have to go searching for it anymore. It's in you. Christ is dwelling in you. So from the center of your being, you're now informed by living water. Which means you don't have to be thirsty anymore. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. And search for things that will never satisfy you. And so if tonight you're deciding to give your life to Jesus, keep our heads bowed in this moment. Hands all over the room went up. If this, this, that was you. You lifted your hands up. I don't care if you prayed this before. You've been following Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years. If you want to recommit again, Make a decision that informs every other decision. I just want you to take these moments and say these words with me. Jesus, give me the water. I receive it. I need my life to change. Nothing satisfies me. I'm meant for something else. And you're the one I'm meant for. So I stop. I stop trying to control things. I stop being informed by what I don't see. How I don't think you can make it happen. And I trust in you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? What's wild about this scripture is that not once in it did Jesus say how he was going to change your life. I think we overindulge sometimes as pastors and as churches and as Christians where we try to over explain how Jesus is going to do things in our lives. Right? And we just need to trust that Jesus is going to do it. He didn't feel the need to say, I'm going to sort all these things out for you. Then you can follow me. He just said, do you want it or not? 
So the moment that you leave these doors and there's this roadblock in front of you about a decision that you need to make, whether or not to take things into your own hands or trust in Jesus, you already know. It's him that you gotta trust, not how he's gonna do it. Let that one sink in for a moment. Who's in control, you or him? You have to trust in him, not how he's gonna do it. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.